Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Wubba lubba dub dub. You're listening to the Mr. Mitchell History Podcast. Today's all about Colonel Dan Gaddafi. It's crazy. Obama's all like, let's go into Libya. Quicken it out. 20-minute adventure. Nope, no deal. Two civil wars later and Ben's talking to us about BTN. Right, gentlemen. Today... Today we're talking Gaddafi. I believe, I think I, I mentioned on, a, on an earlier episode, I can't remember which one, but uh, in my primary school days, I, I wrote a little think piece on Gaddafi. <laughs> uh-huh. Boys, you remember the, the program Behind the News? How can I forget? BTN. BTN, as, as it was colloquially known, it was essentially, a, what was it, a, an ABC program, just a news kind of program aimed at younger people to mm. help them understand what's going on in the world, and it sure enough helped me. Do you remember... That you would, so you'd wrap all your your school books, but your BTN <laughs> books you'd wrap in newspaper. <laughs> nah, no. I do. You know how we you don't. You'd like. You, remember when you had like contact? Oh, before? because yeah. it was like supposed to be like you're looking at the news. Yeah. Do you remember what news articles you wrapped? Oh, mine yeah. was contact. I'm pretty sure. I definitely remember that. That was. Do you I remember Ben? I don't. I don't remember. Mine was related to the 2011 Cricket World Cup. Wow. wow. Mitchell Johnson did something, maybe got a five for him one of the games, the game in India, but that was definitely one of the articles. The other one, mm, recall, lost it. So I can't believe you did Colonel Gaddafi for BTN. Because like when <laughs> yeah. I did BTN, it was like literally like the coral reef. What is happening <laughs> to our Great Barrier Reef? And this was 2008. So at that point, the known damage wasn't as substantive as it, as it is today. Yeah. But to engage politically, like at the very least, yeah. it'd be just civics based. Like, yeah, it was. It was just about. And like, shut up about BTN. What was that? I <laughs> <laughs> right got the got the soundboard going. <laughs> who who was that? <laughs> who said that? <laughs> and shut up about BTN. <laughs> is that Ben Shapiro? Oh. Is, is that um? Is that like a a deep fake kind of thing, or is that him actually saying that? Guest star Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Sorry, no, keep going. I think it was actually him. He just said he wanted you to shut up about BTN. Mm, no, no, no. I, I don't know. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I know. I gathered as much. But yes, no. So I, I unfortunately could not could not locate said think piece. It may be somewhere in the archives of my home. It may have been 
thrown away many years ago. But if I ever do come across it, I'll be sure to, to have a bonus episode. Do you remember what the video said about Gaddafi? Well, I, I didn't until about an hour ago when I was on the train home and thought I'd, uh, I'd do a little bit of pre-reading. <laughs> <laughs> and so, mm, so sure enough, if, you, if you'd like to follow along at home, I believe I just searched BTN Gaddafi. If you're ready to take the red pill. Yeah, oh, ready yeah. to see what I saw at 12 <laughs> years old um, and uncover those mysteries. Is that on YouTube or iView? iView. Mm. Yeah, just the ABC yeah, website. They've, they've didn't... archived well, haven't they? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah back from uh, from March 2011. There's a couple of episodes, I think. I watched I watched two, actually. They're about four minutes long, so very digestible. They called him, highlight for me, they called him the mad dog of the Middle East. Well, it wasn't them that called him that. Oh, we're gonna okay. come on to that. Oh, but I don't know who I meant by they, but <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Pickering or whoever was around. Can I can I guess how the format was it that basically and since the war on terror, mm. George Bush and now Barack Obama have moved to face on like Islamic yeah. dictators from the Middle East. It was, it was last week we told you about protests in Egypt about removing their dictator. Yes. And a similar thing has happened. So yeah, a lot going on. I liked very sort of 2011 haircut with like male haircut with like a fringe but spiked up like oh yeah sort of on the top of the head a very who's someone that like sported that clarky maybe oh yeah yeah that rings bell early michael clark yeah Mm. like ears pierce michael clark yeah yeah they also did in the other episode i watched they also did a good like well I, i say good I don't know how I use the word good here, but like a, a children's reenactment of how like the UN conversation went down <laughs> Very good. Very good. regarding. So I think, I think maybe we could, uh, I don't know if it's copyrighted or not, but could include some audio from that. Otherwise I do recommend going and looking at yourself, uh, highlighting, I think Russia and, and China, I think chose not abstain from the voting mm. um, regarding whether to, create like a no-fly zone over. Yeah, really a lot of learning uh, in eight minutes. Yeah. Um, I can see why, you know, such a valued product. So now you're ready to speak for 50. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to learn for 50. <laughs> I think I've, I've spoken all I can about what I know. <laughs> What's his first name? Oh. Colonel. Colonel. <laughs> it, it starts with M, doesn't it? Does. It does. I don't want to say it's close to like Mahatma, right? We have Mahatma. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> Mahatma so, Gandhi so, or oh, Mahatma oh, Fatal, <laughs> Fatal floor of BTN, eight minutes worth. Don't know the guy's name. <laughs> yeah, look, that's, that's on me. I, I, don't, I don't want to criticize BTN. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get into it. So basically, Colonel Gaddafi, we're talking about a pretty longstanding dictator in Libya who was around for, what, the better part of half a century. He comes to power in 1969 and basically, he overthrows a monarchy that was backed by the Brits called King Idris. Not King Faisal, unfortunately, today. King Idris today. And he comes to power in a bloodless coup. Now, I was looking up, because I'd only ever really covered his regime. I never really looked into the coup itself. Get this right. He was going to do the coup, and he organized it. And he's like, okay, everyone's at a rock concert. So all kind of the key government officials are at a rock concert. So in my head, I'm wow. thinking... Who was playing? Yeah, I was just... Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, for our listeners last week on the Noriega episode, there is a Spotify playlist with the songs that the American government used really? to lure him out. So you can actually find that on Spotify. What's it called? Is it just songs that the American government used to lure Noriega out of the Vatican embassy? So what they were. The, what, what are the genres we were looking at there? 
Uh, there's like a lot. I think a lot of songs had like I don't know. I don't look. I don't know seventies rock very well or eighties mm, rock very well. Springsteen. But a lot of songs <laughs> had double entendre. Like you can't run away. And oh, I see. Like was it <laughs> Phil Collins? Like the one that you can oh. run but you can't hide. Like love Phil Collins. Yeah. So some of them like that. Anyway, to come back, the King Idris's key government officials were at a concert. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is Gaddafi's time to strike. Gaddafi, out of respect, says, nah, coup's off, not tonight, boys. It's in bad taste to, <laughs> to do a coup. <laughs> so there was a real code of chivalry about doing coups Damn, yeah, in the Arab world in the 60s. And so he comes to power in 1969 with a bloodless coup. So, so the night after or something, the rock concert? or Yeah, a couple of days later, I believe. Okay, let him, let him recover. Let yeah. Him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he does the coup in 1969 and basically... If you were to guess, what would Libya's number one resource be? I believe BTN informed me that it was oil. Well done. Yes. Pretty safe bet whenever mm. you look at any Arab country. I'm like, well, what are they rich in? Sand. <laughs> True. And so basically what had happened under King Idris's government was that the oil money was siphoned into the royal family and it wasn't really spread across mm. the people. Gaddafi comes in and he's like, no, we need to give it, to, we need to give it back to the people. And he was a huge fan. PY, this would have been on the crown. Colonel Nasser. Before. The Egyptian Egyptian president. Okay, yeah. yeah. Does that ring any bells? Like the Suez Canal episode? Does that ring any bells? Yeah, yeah. So, before hey. we, sorry, before we go on, I, I did remember you asked on the episode that I was away, you asked me to listen and, and give some feedback. And I, yeah. one thing well, I did was- notice was sort of how pinned the entire like, sequence of history was in our eyes to just the sequence of the crown like everything was like it wasn't this event in 1969 it was episode eight of the crown (laughs) (laughs) it's just a frame of reference (laughs) (laughs) tv show yeah no doubt no doubt historical trying to speak the vernacular of the common man (laughs) so yes colonel nasser he's kind of an arabic hero because he nationalizes the suez canal and tries to give it and also takes Egyptian control over it. It had previously been controlled by Britain. And so Gaddafi looked up to Nasser as kind of an Arab hero who represented the Arab populace rather than the Arab elite who were in bed with the British. And so basically what Gaddafi does is Gaddafi uses the oil money to spend on all these social programs. So the education, so education in Libya at this time, it was compulsory up to age six. He increases it to age nine and he makes it mandatory and universal. So you know, everyone, male or female, gets free education in Libya. The literacy rate, when Gaddafi came into office, it was at 12%. So 12% of people were literate. When he left, well, when he got killed in 2011, that was up to 91%. And so that, it was by far the highest in, the Afri- in Africa. And so he basically spends in quite what we would call a socialist manner. And he takes the, well, the oil money... And he put that into social programs that benefit the whole nation. And so some people like to say, well, Gaddafi was a communist. That's not actually true at all. To be a purely ideological communist, you need to be kind of, you need to be atheist essentially. And you need to be devoutly atheist because religion is the opiate of the masses. And so he wasn't a secular leader. He was a Muslim leader and his somewhat devout Islam and his devotion to kind of the Arab Muslim brotherhood made him be like, no way, we don't, I'm not a communist at all. And so for this reason, he actually started on pretty good note with America. He comes into power and America has no issue with him. 
because he speaks out against communism and this is kind of the Cold War era. Very quickly, the Americans turn on him. And so throughout the 70s, he starts funding and supporting rebel groups across the world. So we've got the African National Congress in South Africa. Any chance you know who is their leader? Mandela. Wow. Well done, well done. Had a lot. Also, I just wanted to go back to the improvement in the literacy rate. Did the reading and writing hotline play a part? <laughs> I'm sure you had nap plan and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think I think reading, reading and writing hotline was a little bit after my time. I think. Are you thinking like uh, like dictators reading challenge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, whatever he's doing, like I don't know, whatever he's doing, yeah. we could take some insp- inspiration there. Mm-hmm. But yes, so Nelson Mandela, he starts supporting him in South Africa, and you're like, well, that's not too controversial. Mandela's a hero only now, and only now is he held up as a figure of of heroism. In had, a set- had Mandela... Yeah, sorry, you're probably about to explain. Had he been jailed by yeah. this point? Yeah. And he's back out? No. Okay. So, but he's still the recognized leader of the African National Congress just yeah. in jail. And so he supports them. He speaks out against apartheid quite strongly. South Africa is a weird one because the West doesn't agree with apartheid, but also it's a really strong anti-communist power in Africa. Mm. And so they're like, they're not stoked that Gaddafi is supporting the African National Congress he supports the IRA in, in Ireland. Mm. So again, he's kind of got his hands everywhere. And the big one that he supports is the Palestinian Liberation Organization. So the PLO. So he is quite anti-Israel. And as PY and I looked at on the Idiom episode, if you are anti-Israel, that is going to put you in very bad stead with the USA. And so throughout the 70s, what actually started off as a pretty positive Gaddafi-Western relationship starts to deteriorate really badly. And the West become heavily anti-Gaddafi. To make matters worse, Gaddafi also allies himself with the Soviet Union to an extent, and he accepts money and weapons from the Soviet Union, and he buys weapons off the Soviet Union. Got a Gaddafi quote here. All the great prophets of modern times have come from the desert and were uneducated. Muhammad, Jesus, and myself. Wow. (laughs) Elite company. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's bold, to say the least. (laughs) Yes. And he, well, they did have the highest living standard in Africa. Okay. Yeah, that that did stroke your ego a little bit. Son, son of God, on the other hand. Yeah, yeah, well, true, not, true. Yeah. Well, because he's Islamic, he wouldn't have viewed Jesus as the son of God. But yeah, son of God or last prophet in the second biggest religion in the whole world mm. versus highest African literacy rate, highest <laughs> yeah. African standard of living. Yeah, had tickets on himself. Yeah. 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 So what, what did he call himself? A prophet? Yeah. From the desert? Yeah. He was uneducated and he wore that as a badge of honor. But he was never like, his big thing was never so much. Was was he about spreading Islam? Like, was he, did he view himself as some sort of a religious leader or was he just looking to? Uh, both. So he was like really invested in living standards in Libya. Mm. And he seems to have a genuine care for that. But he was also pretty devoutly Islamic as well. Yeah. Like you can find lots of exceptions to the rule. Like the way that he kind of womanizes obviously goes against yes yes also another point on btn was his female bodyguards ah they talk about the macaba rape chamber at all uh, <laughs> i suppose that's not for you for 11 year olds not really your target audience <laughs> yeah. yeah uh unsurprisingly no that wasn't wasn't brought up 
Oh, they didn't mention the rape chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Major oversight. <laughs> Fake news. So, yeah, like a lot of Muslims will look at Gaddafi and be like, well, yeah, he doesn't really embody Islamic standard of behavior in a number of ways. Mm. But so too would the Christians say that about Martin Luther King and the way that he would womanize as well, and the way that Martin Luther King cheated on his wife. Yeah. So you can hold him up. He's like, he views himself as devoutly Islamic. He supports Islam in Libya. His conduct falls short of the standard of Islam and where the reality falls is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And so that's kind of how invested okay. in, in Islam that he, that he was. We're then going to look at what happens when Ronald Reagan comes to office. Master Yoda, is it true? Was Colonel Gaddafi a murderous tyrant? True it was, but perspective we must keep. A grave enemy of Reagan's was Gaddafi. What, Master? No. No more questions, Obi-Wan. P.Y. asks the questions. So Ronald Reagan comes to power in 19... Well, he wins the election in 1980, comes to power in 1981. The Mad Dog quote that you referenced before, Ben. Yeah. That is a Ronald Reagan quote. Wow. And he called him the Mad Dog of the Middle East. Now, I always associated Mad Dog with Newcastle Knights winger Adam McDougall as the... Hack Dog. <laughs> yeah, really? Like, like, I feel like it's, it's a totally different meaning to how we use it right now, right? Like... They probably mean like like a rabid dog yes. kind of thing. We're just like, oh, he's he, you know, he did a kickflip down those stairs. He's a mad dog. <laughs> Top G. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like I don't know. I could be <clears throat> off on this, but I think a, a bit of a thing in American culture or not or like their football culture at the moment is if like he's a good player, he's a dog. Oh, oh he's got that dog in him. Yeah, he's, got the, the, he's a dog. <laughs> yeah. He got dog. Or even, yeah, I guess they'd always call like a good footballer like a mad dog. Mad dog's a compliment in Australia, yeah, yeah. massively. So, yeah, that one backfired on Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> but so basically he comes to, Reagan comes to power in 1981 and Newsweek, an American news outlet, exposed uh, basically the CIA plan to oust Gaddafi. And so the CIA basically had this huge plan of completely discrediting Gaddafi and running a smear campaign against him using very selective information. And so, sure enough, in the next five years, what happens? Well, a lot of negative stories about Colonel Gaddafi. And Newsweek actually exposed this. And so, a lot of people in Gaddafi's corner from America were kind of saying, hey, literally, a news outlet has exposed the way that you were going to treat Gaddafi. And now we're seeing it play out. It's not what you're saying is wrong, but we knew you were going to say this before these events happened. Mm. So, you've clearly come in with a selective interpretation of what was going to happen. And we're actually going to unpack some of the ways that America kind of conducted themselves during the eighties. So first thing I started doing is they started doing military exercises over Libyan airspace. So basically as a kind of a show of strength, Ronald Reagan completely and frequently uh, violated Libyan airspace and independent aerial zone territory. I watched, um, documentary on Colonel Gaddafi. The series is called Evolution of Evil. Mm, we yeah. watched an Evolution of Evil on General Tojo while we were sick. Well, while I was sick yeah. in... Actually, no, we we're both sick. Well, we we're both sick in Germany. Mm -hmm. You remember that that I, one? How could I forget? It was a key part of that trip. <laughs> they have a famous, They have a Netflix series called Hitler's Circle of Evil that got a fair bit of traction yeah. a few yep. years ago. Yeah, I remember. They The one they did on Gaddafi is shameful propaganda. So it's like the, the, the selection of information is so selective and basically, so they did stuff that they, in, in their documentary, they're kind of like, 
Gaddafi got triggered when America flew over international waters, mm. but they're international waters. They don't belong to anyone. It's like, no, but within like, if, if, if an airplane flies within 50 kilometers of your border, that is seen as hostile and aggressive. Mm. That's universally recognized yeah. as, especially when your country is so far away from, from. Yeah. Yeah. It is a long way from the, <laughs> the US. <laughs> Google maps would give us quite a long, a long route. And so basically America kind of ramps up the rhetoric against Libya 1984, the French and the Americans do a lot of intelligence sharing about Libya and they kind of share a lot of like satellite technology and have a lot of photos on on particularly Tripoli. And one thing I will add about Gaddafi's regime as well is similar to the Iraq episode where geography was really important, where you had your kind of Kurdish, Sunni and Shia areas of Iraq. The difference between Tripoli and Benghazi is really important. Tripoli, heavy with Gaddafi supporters. Benghazi, heavy with anti Gaddafi people. The reason why is that Gaddafi wanted to keep Tripoli as, as kind of the hub of Libya, and that was where he could exert his control and keep eyes on people. So if you needed, say, like a government permit and you lived in Benghazi, you'd literally have to fly to Tripoli to go and get your permit. Right. So this like Benghazi-Tripoli divide started to emerge under Gaddafi. And so basically, Gaddafi did support a lot of terrorist groups. He admitted that himself. And so I, Penwai and I, we discussed how with my with kind of the Mr. Mitchell history subscribers saying Palestine isn't always 100% right 100% of the time is the thing most likely to get me cancelled. Mm. So <laughs> he did support the Palestinian Liberation Organization that did conduct terrorist attacks. Like that's just yeah, that's the, sure. the, the, the reality of it. Yes, there was certainly a lot of context and cause that goes into it, but that, that was the reality of what was going on. So it is true to say that Gaddafi supported terrorist organizations and he freely admitted that. And he said, yeah, I did. And he kind of stopped doing it in the 90s. Where American intelligence went beyond what was actually provable was we had bombings in Vienna and Rome in 1985. Three of those bombers were Tunisians who had been to Libya. Ronald Reagan goes straight away and says Libya were behind these attacks and Libya were behind these bombings because the Tunisians had been to Libya. But that so far we don't know anything about. Do we know anything about why they are in Libya? Are you about to elaborate on that? Like, so yeah, there's there's no proof that Libya was involved at all. So Itali- the Italian government for the Rome attack blamed Iran, and the person who was eventually arrested was Syrian. So the Libyan connection is really weak, mm. and Reagan went it's Gaddafi straight away. So we kind of got that. We've got that one. Where it really escalates is the is the next year. There are bombings in Berlin against American soldiers. Mm. Now, the evidence for Libyan involvement in this is that there is a memo that was sent from Tripoli to the Libyan embassy in, in Germany, so the one in Berlin. The memo makes a reference to American soldiers, but the decoders, and again, so the Germans have kind of cracked the Libyan... The Enigma code, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ironic. The... <laughs> the what's the encryption code and so they've kind of cracked they've kind of cracked the code but they the germans are not 100 percent are not in consensus as to what the code actually means so they kind of get this memo that makes reference to american soldiers in berlin but not every german and the german intelligence the different decoders have different ideas as to what the memo actually means some interpret it as attack the nightclub in berlin Others just reference American soldiers are always kind of messing with us. And so they don't come to a consensus. So 
What does Ronald Reagan do? Sure, are we? Surely we're not declaring any war just yet, are we? It seems a bold step. But would, would be quite a bold step. Not unlike America. Do you just well? Do you just bomb Libya? Is that is that what he goes and? That's what he goes and does. Yeah. Oh. Just bombs Libya. So that is it. That is essentially a declaration of war, is it not? Like without saying it. Well, what's Libya gonna do? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Gaddafi knows that he, Gaddafi knows that that's a war he can't win. Yeah. So it killed anywhere between forty to hundred people. Mm. Of those who were killed, one was military. Every other one was civilian. That's rough. And Gaddafi's adopted daughter was alleged to have died. So Gaddafi said that his adopted daughter died in the bombings. We don't know. There's reports that basically he adopted a girl after the death and claimed that his adopted daughter died. So there's some testimony kind of pointing towards that. There's plenty of Libyans who reference Gaddafi's daughter dying in the bombings. And so we don't know where the truth is on that one. Again, that evolution of evil, they just said, well, Gaddafi lied about his daughter. So no, we actually don't know that. Yeah, And that, yeah. that's, 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 a, that's a stretch too far to, 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 to go on and say. So the American newspapers were running with Libyan back terrorists, bomber disco, because it's eighties bomber disco in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And then Reagan goes and drops a bomb. No one bats an eye, but Gaddafi yeah. is furious at this. I wonder what Gaddafi's nickname for Reagan is. <laughs> <laughs> Rabid Reagan. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> <laughs> Ravenous Reagan. <laughs> And so it is worth noting that Gaddafi was absolutely brutal and there's no question about that. Mm. So imprisoned political prisoners and people who spoke against him, there was an engineer who went to America and then came back and spoke out against his regime. Gaddafi had a televised show trial at a basketball court for them to, to basically watch. So he'd invite people in. A lot of them were school children. So it was like an excursion to <laughs> a show oh trial. Gosh. So yeah, kind of. Like beat. We went to Hyde Park Barracks. Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually prisoners. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it does beat Music of Eva on entertainment value. <laughs> and so, what actually ended up happening was there was a woman in the crowd who killed the person in anger, and then she was kind of promoted into a high-ranking position in the government. Wow. So literally, oh. there's school children who go for their excursion and get to watch an execution happen in front of their eyes. This is the 80s. This is all on, This is all televised. We oh, thought we God. lost the footage. And then during the 2011 invasion of Libya, we got the footage back because the NATO-backed allies got their hands on the footage that had been archived. And it's pretty nuts. Like, I've watched a little yeah, bit of it. Wow. I would, if I had more time, I would have put it on the big screen to show you. But it's basically just this engineer getting hacked by a woman in the crowd and then there's like, by, what do you mean by hacked? Like, sorry, just like like clubbed. Wow. And and she got a promotion. Got a promotion, and the crowd's just going nuts. Like, and there's just like what, like school children just. There's school children in the basketball scenes. court. There's just limbs. Like, yeah. As if LeBron's playing on that court. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no question that Gaddafi's regime was brutal, but that's not the reason why America was so vehemently opposed to him. So after the bombing, Gaddafi comes back with his tail between his legs and he recognizes that he's going to have to grit his teeth and play the American game. So he releases political prisoners. He declares that he's no longer going to support terrorist groups and he kind of cuts a lot of ties, particularly with Palestine. So the Arab world actually, a lot of the Arab world thinks he's a sellout. And it's like, bro, you used to be good. You used to be like the person with revolutionary zeal. I miss the old Gaddafi, bro. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The old Gaddafi would have... And now you've sold out to America, but it does work. 
and he does get back into America's good books. So fast forward. So the nineties, he cleans up his act a lot. The Libyan, and it's hard to argue that Gaddafi is this cruel dictator that wants to see Libya suffer because he's clearly not a megalomaniac if literacy is at 91%, which or sorry, that it would be in 2011, but the literacy rate was on the up. Healthcare was fantastic. The highest living standard in Africa. If this was some corrupt megalomaniac, there's no way that they would have those living standards. Mm. And so that's too hard for America to argue. And because Gaddafi's coming back with this towel between his legs and he's saying, hey, Palestinian liberation organization, I'm, I'm not with them anymore. I stand against Islamic terror. He actually gets brought into the fold in the war on terror. So post 9-11, Gaddafi comes out straight away and he condemns the 9-11 terrorist attacks. A lot of the Arab world is like, what? This guy is condemning them. We thought this guy, based on his track record and the fact that he stood up to America in the 80s and supported the PLO and the IRA and the ANC, we thought this guy would be our guy. And they feel really let down that Gaddafi has come and criticized. Gaddafi, on the other hand, that actually helps him make inroads with both Britain and America. So he has a system with George Bush where basically Bush sends suspected terrorists to Gaddafi. Gaddafi tortures them and interrogates them and gives the intel back to Bush. Wow. Why doesn't Bush do it himself? Well, you don't need to know about that. That's like the... Someone else to do your dirty work. Yeah. And again... If anything happens, you can always point towards, well, we've known this guy's a bad dictator. He's just showing up, showing us how bad he is by torturing people and feign innocence. He gets hugged by Tony Blair, so Prime Minister of Britain. Wow. And Blair actually goes to visit Libya. So by the end of the 2000s, Gaddafi is in the West's good book. No one would have expected Gaddafi to go the route of Saddam Hussein because he's restored his image in the eyes of the West and he's now once again a Western ally. Fast forward to 2010, 2011 and it all goes wrong. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For him. Somehow I managed to convince the world into thinking we didn't want regime change in Libya. Oh, come on. Seriously, Hillary. Well, Alex, I respect your right to disagree with me. Well, come on, Hillary. Let us tell him the truth. So 2010, 2011, it all goes wrong. What did BTN say was the catalyst for it all going wrong for Gaddafi? Uh, I, I don't think they elaborated on how it all began. They, they sort of said that the people were unhappy because Libya is a, a very oil rich country and that and they wanted a bigger share of that because my guess would have been they would have gone democracy waves have broken out across the Arab Peninsula 
Firstly, Tunisia wanted their democracy and they took their rights. Then it spread to... So yeah, like I think it, it seemed to... They followed it on from like... We talked about Egypt last week. Oh, so okay. I don't know if, if it was implying that they were somewhat inspired by the Egyptian. Trust me, yeah, and to give you pre-reading to get you to yeah. watch another. Yeah. But no, they sort of just addressed what was happening at the time. Like, you've probably seen on the news that there's fighting. <laughs> but I'm watching this 10 years later. I don't know <laughs> what the see. news is. <laughs> yeah, you've seen in front of the news. Now let's show you behind. <laughs> <laughs> so I would push back against BTN. Shock horror. Mm. Mr. Mitchell oh. History disagrees with BTN. Wow. I've just been mm. blue-pilled while they've all been swallowing <laughs> those red pills. Um, for me, the big difference is, yes, the, like the Arab Spring provides the vehicle, but that doesn't explain why the West gets so heavily involved with Libya. Because the Arab Spring is supposed to be this like organic from the roots movement happening within Arab nations, from the Arab people. So what's the Arab Spring? So basically a, a wave of uprisings against authoritarian governments from countries in okay. the Middle East. Yeah. And that was happening at the, the 2011, 2010. Yeah. Okay. So it starts with, starts with Tunisia and then kind of spreads in both directions, both North and West as mm. well. Mm. So, sorry, not, not north. <laughs> I should say east and west. Tunisia is as far north as you can get in Africa. Spain. I, I had Egypt in my head when I was saying that. So, yeah, basically what happened was Gaddafi threatened to nationalize the oil because JF's. JF's. Sorry? I was going to say that's probably what BTN were, were kind of. They spoke about oil. They probably said nationalizing in a more kid friendly way. <laughs> <laughs> so, during the JFC, again, like like with every other nation, their economy is greatly impacted and they're really impacted by these American companies that have been taking Libyan oil. Did I mention before that Libya's got, had the ninth largest oil reserve in the world? You didn't mention it. No. Okay. So a lot of American oil companies, particularly ExxonMobil, they've set up in Libya and obviously ExxonMobil have been really badly impacted by the JFC and they're favoring a lot of these, a lot of like American employees. It's like, hey, because the whole idea of ExxonMobil taking Libyan oil is we, we come into your country, we employ your people, they can work and get the oil for us and then we'll sell it off. You can tax us as our profits are going out to other nations. There's no more mobiles in Australia now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, True. What, what is it? What, what are they now? Like, yeah, like 7-Eleven. Ah. Remember there used to be like... yeah. On um, the Kingsway. Oh, of course. That was my local mm. growing up. Yeah. So essentially, right, Gaddafi's like, well, hold up. This is terrible. You guys are basically creating all sorts of tax havens because you are so protective of your bottom line in the JFC. And you're also kind of pref uh, giving preferential treatment to American employees. We lose in this deal. Our oil goes and you're not actually stimulating the Libyan economy that well. And so he kind of toys with the idea of nationalizing the oil. And he also starts giving oil concessions to other countries who he thinks will give him a better deal. So he starts giving them to India, to China, to Russia, to Japan, some American, American enemies, but countries like Japan are still allies with America. But the whole thinking behind it is we need to get a better deal. And if there's anything we know about American oil companies is they don't like fair competition being created. Mm. Oh yeah. They are as anti-free market as it comes, though their messaging will say otherwise. And so basically this is what's going on at the back end of the 20 of the 2000s. And so this is creating a lot of American anger towards Libya. Now, yes, the Arab Spring does happen and a lot of Libyans 
particularly those in Benghazi, rise up against Gaddafi because he has been a brutal authoritarian tyrant for the last couple of decades. So they rise up against him. And in the early days of the Arab Spring, there are mass demonstrations against Gaddafi. According to Obama, Gaddafi started shooting them down in the thousands. So Obama gave a press conference where he was like, okay, Colonel Gaddafi, we got a toy with the idea. We might have to get rid of this guy. We've sent Hillary Clinton, who was the then Secretary of State, we've sent her to London to see if we can organize an alternative, but we can't support the tyranny of this guy anymore. Now, the Harvard... Oh, sorry. So, like, support, um, like, you mean, like, okay, we're obviously not condoning this now, but they're actually going to the action of just on a, like, human rights basis. We actually need to, like this guy yeah okay pretty much so he he hasn't got a regime change just yet but you can say you can tell that's where the angle's going and from my mind though he didn't say regime change that he'd already decided by that point well not him the the kind of military industrial complex in america and the chief of intelligence in america had decided that they needed Gaddafi to go obama didn't say that but as we're about to see the attempt to actually create concessions and get Gaddafi to back down was for me pretty disingenuous and i'll try and use a few examples to illustrate my point here so obama's claim was that gaddafi had killed a thousand people per day he never referenced a specific event if you're going to level that accusation against someone you need to say on this day gaddafi shot down x amount of people but he just vaguely says and because he's obama it sounds very polished and you watch it and you're like yeah man that guy's like like take my my wife for example so when we're chatting she's the most apolitical person at all Uh, but when we're chatting just like Obama was just such a good president. He was such a nice guy, wasn't he? And in some respects, I look at Obama and I respect the reforms he put through, but this is a huge black mark. And we're going to see just how brutal the death of Colonel Gaddafi was. So Obama never references a specific date. He just says, and and Gaddafi has killed men in the thousands and kind of... Let me be clear. Yeah. Obama's not your best impression, Cam. No. Ben did a good one though. Might need a a deep fake that one. (laughs) So to, t- to take a charitable assumption here, we're assuming that he might be referring to the early days of the Libyan protest against Gaddafi, where 2,000 people were reported to have been killed by American outlets. The Human Rights Watch, which is a better source because it's theoretically supposed to be apolitical and it's not particularly nice to anti-Western regimes, they reported a death toll of 233 not to mention that they also reported that protested had beaten and hanged three soldiers from Gaddafi's government. Would this imp- would this have any impact though? The number of people, like, like it's still a lot of people. If it, it, what's the what's the number where they're like, okay, that's when we intervene. You can kill like under two hundred people, but but what? Yeah, what what is the number? Like, mm. if if if, the, if if there wasn't if the numbers were irrelevant. Why would Obama need to lie about how many, or or need to exaggerate or selectively okay. choose how many there were? Yeah. So like I don't know. Like say, let's just take for example, say if Biden ordered drone strikes on anyone, would that be just cause to invade America? If Biden used drone strikes on his own people, would that be just cause to invade America? Like what? There is no kind of like hard and fast line. And it's all circumstantial as well, right? Like, but, like so you're saying this is like the black mark on Obama, but even if it was, even if he said the the higher number, there's no difference in the outcome. I think is, like, is your question that like 
could Obama, even if he embellished what he said publicly, could he have still been justified in his actions if yeah. he said that there was 230 people that were killed by Gaddafi? Yes, thank you, Ben, for putting that eloquently forward. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a more philosophical question in of itself. Yeah. But the messaging that Obama was giving was quite different to the reality that was happening on the ground. Yeah, sure. And so, like... So it's, a, it's a face... It's sort of a face-saving thing in the face of a much more kind of complex issue. Yeah. And is the, America good... Yeah, exactly. Right. And the picture he paints is that Gaddafi is just like kind of like a Tiananmen Square sort of thing where protesters are emerging. They're, they're kind of peaceful and passive and Gaddafi just starts shooting on his own. Okay, yeah. Reality is that's not what happened. Like protesters, there's reports that they killed and hanged three Libyan soldiers. Okay. And there were like plenty of other reports that kind of said that the protesters and the demonstrators started the violence. And it wasn't that this kind of initially peaceful demonstration at all. So... Obama, in that, in that, I referenced it before, he said that Hillary Clinton would go to London and meet with 30 other nations about Gaddafi making concessions. I don't think there was any real attempt at trying to get Gaddafi to come on side and actually negotiate with Gaddafi. So by March 2011, the International Crisis Group had met with Gaddafi about forming a ceasefire. And according to a guy called Hugh Roberts, he met it in three hours. He met the demands of the International Crisis Group within three hours and said, yeah, I'm happy to kind of back down and tell my army to, to kind of stand back on those conditions. This was rejected by a guy called Khalifa Heftar. He becomes pretty important in this story. So he's a, a Libyan rebel warlord who kind of changes factions pretty easily. And he goes to the West and he's like, no, Gaddafi can't be trusted. And Gaddafi's a liar. This was just taken as gospel by the West. And the West said, no, nah, we, we won't accept Gaddafi's concessions. Even though Hillary Clinton had gone to London with the idea of let's try and do peaceful talks and avoid regime change. And Gaddafi says, okay, I'm happy to back down on, on a number of concessions that a neutral party, the International Crisis Group, has put forward. He meets those demands within three hours at the negotiating table. And then it's this Libyan rebel, the Khalifa Heftar. Negotiations Hef were short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Khalifa Heftar is like, no, he can't be trusted. He's a liar. What, and what um, credibility does Khalifa have? Well, in my mind, not much because he's a warlord who changes factions mm. and he kind of flips in the, in the Libyan civil war quite, quite flippantly. Mm. But again, this is why I believe that regime change was decided way before the American government said so yeah. yep. is because they're just like, yeah, cool. Heftar said so, so we can't trust Gaddafi at all. Turkey also held successful talks with Gaddafi. And again, this was rejected by not the people of Libya, the Western-backed rebels. So they're called the National Transitional Council. That's the thing. Long story, like long name short, they, they are the rebels in the Libyan civil war. And the rebels say no. Of course they're going to say no. They want regime change. They want to get rid of Gaddafi. That's their cause. Like imagine in Star Wars if they said like, I don't know. No, he's actually all right. No, yeah. <laughs> like Palpatine's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll back off. I won't use force lightning as long as I can keep my empire. Like at that point, Luke Skywalker's locked in to taking down the government. Yeah. And so, of course, the rebels are going to say no. And so Turkey negotiated that. And if America really didn't want regime change, that's where America would have come in and said, no, you've actually got to accept that because he's the legitimate government. You are not. And so mm -hmm. if they didn't want regime change, that's where they could have been really affected. Really effective, I should say, because Turkey had negotiated that deal. To make things even more bleak, Gaddafi then proposed three more ceasefires throughout 2011. All three were rejected. So Gaddafi's the one who's coming to the negotiating table here. Mm. 
He's proposed, he's making all sorts of concessions and saying, hey, I'm willing to be flexible on this and on this and on this. Like the techniques of itself, if we like elaborated each one, we could, this podcast would blow out. And who's consistently rejecting it? It's the rebels who are backed by America and who are backed by NATO. So yeah, they're, they're just, so just going to reject like, everything. Yeah, re- the, it's already decided. Like, they're re- yeah. The regime's it's going to change. They're rebels, not reformists. Yeah. And so to make the situation even more bleak, so a guy called Abdul Hakim Belhaji, he sent hundreds of troops to fight for Al-Qaeda during the war on terror, and he was supported by the USA. And what Obama did when Obama was making his support, so sorry, he was supported by the USA in the fight against Gaddafi. Okay, and then so he's then just he's a, he's he, a, sorry he'd previously fought for Al Qaeda. Yes, and then and now was being supported. Organized by hundreds of Al Qaeda troops, and now because again Al Qaeda, right? They're not tied to one particular country. It's about the cause of fighting American imperialism in the Middle East. Yeah. So again, after fighting in Iraq. He then comes to Libya and he brings Al-Qaeda to Libya to fight against Gaddafi. And that's what they kind of do. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, they attach themselves into civil wars and they kind of create a third force to open things up. And America supported this guy in the Libyan civil war. And in Obama's kind of explanation of what's going on, he's saying, like, we fought against terror in the Middle East. We fought against Al-Qaeda. And then while he's doing this, he's supporting a guy from Al-Qaeda who had fought with Al-Qaeda to fight against Gaddafi. And again, wasn't Al-Qaeda supposed to be the big terror enemy? Mm. And so a fight between good and evil, well, it's pretty hard to make that case. Really muddy the waters, yeah. So what happens is NATO backs the National Transitional Council, otherwise the, known as the rebels. And so NATO kind of gives their support to them, they help arm them, and they make their life as easy as possible. And so the rebels advance from Benghazi and they go to Tripoli and they eventually get control of Tripoli. So that means Gaddafi is on the run. And so as he's running away, he gets captured by a group of extremists. His death is pretty bad. So it's a combination of being shot, bayoneted up the backside. Yeah. And then he's put in a pickup truck. They drive off. His body falls out the back and just kind of smashes along the road. This is caught on video. That's horrible. Yeah, it's one of the worst ways a person could go. And again, the like the rebels have been radicalized to like view Gaddafi as Satan. Yeah. And they have they've had this perception of him for a long, long time. Again, not without cause. Like you can look at Gaddafi's actions mm. and see yeah. why they've come to that conclusion. But Gaddafi dies in one of the most barbaric and brutal manners. And then you have kind of Obama being like and we protect freedom and kind of like mm. doing all of that, putting a lot of gloss on what was actually going on. I take it they didn't do the bayoneting up the backside on BTN. Yeah, yeah, again, a major oversight. <laughs> not include that. They also killed one of Gaddafi's sons. And so then after that, Gaddafi's body was put in an industrial freezer and people would go on a pilgrimage to look at the dead body of Gaddafi. And a lot of people actually just went because they didn't believe Gaddafi was dead. And so they yeah, went, wow. thought yeah, maybe they deep faked the footage or something. <laughs> and they went and they saw Gaddafi's body in the freezer. Intense. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's hard to have sympathy for him when I'm sure no doubt like his regime would have inflicted, I guess you talked about when he was sort of torturing people on behalf of the US, mm-hmm. um, no doubt inflicting similar levels of pain on, on those poor people. But that's still so grim. 
yeah. it's now like you saying like the US sort of ordered this killing or well who who runs NATO yeah. America is the driving force behind NATO and so NATO supported the rebels yeah. and then and Obama after after March so that was when he kind of gave his initial address his messaging then said yes we want regime change we want to get rid of Gaddafi okay. and so then America were very upfront about their support and using NATO to funnel weapons and soldiers and armies um, and military equipment into the National Transitional Council, who were the rebels. And so you will find even the most hardcore Democrat Obama supporter, most of them are extremely anti-Obama for this de- extremely on this particular decision. Yeah. So even the most ardent apologist will be like, Obama messed that one up. Because the reason why... So is it the brutality of the killing or well or knowing just- what happens afterwards. So 2012 we kind of have the new government come in. 2014 there's more rebels and more warlords who got power of Libya because now the strongman's gone, now Gaddafi's gone, Libya's free game. Mm. 2014 who would be the main stakeholder that would want control of of Libya? Is it the Khalifa guy? He's he's really important. And he does play a huge role as a warlord. Or is it just the rebels? Like It's ISIS now. Yeah. Okay. So ISIS have kind of expanded across, again, 2014, 2015 is peak ISIS. Yeah. And they've literally expanded across the Middle East, fighting in any civil war they can get their hands on mm-hmm. and trying to make it into a, a war against American imperialism and a war against soft Islam, as they would call it, to establish a truly Islamic society free from American interference. And so there's another civil war that breaks out in 2014. That lasts until 2020. Literally, like, full of Gaddafi's flaws, again, 91% literacy rate, highest living standards in Africa, universal health care. And at one point, the GDP actually dropped to a third of what it used to be under Gaddafi. So during the civil war, their economic productivity fell to a third of what it was. Mm. So, yeah, imagine, like, your bank account being a third of what it is because that would be the net effect on on people because they're fighting in a civil war and they're not focused on economic output. There's no stability. And so Libya's a mess. I mean, probably the biggest tragedy of all, they replaced their flag. It, yeah. yeah, I remember being shocked by the, just the, the green flag. Oh, like, so good. So iconic. And so now it's, it's, it's no longer green. Is it the, what is it now? Is it like the... Red, black and green with the... Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that on the video. It seemed to be like, were the rebels, were they, was that the flag they were flying? Yeah, because green was just associated with Gaddafi. Right. And so Gaddafi loved the idea of green of like, basically, so firstly, green's the color of Islam. So you see it like represented on like the Pakistani flag and Saudi Arabian flag. Like, yeah, yeah, green's green seen as the kind of color of Sunni Islam to be more specific. And so there's that. But then there's also the idea of like to get a little bit English teachery, we're greening the grass here mm. and we're creating a prosperous African society. Mm. And so they wanted to get rid of any idea of linking Gaddafi with prosperity sure. because that was a lot of the language that people were using. It was like, we used to have prosperity under Gaddafi. I liked my life a lot more under Gaddafi than I do right now. And they're like, well, yeah, but now you have freedom. And again, same thing with the Tsunami Sane episode. To say, yeah. Freedom to do what? And so... Yeah, the Gaddafi one, it's it's a brutal ending. And it's a huge the, the biggest losers are the Libyans. They, mm. they they used to be the best country in Africa in terms of where you where you'd want to live. 
Yes, they had a lot of restrictions on their freedom. They had to be very guarded about what they said about Gaddafi. There were some travel restrictions. But in terms of standard of living, that was the cream of the crop in Africa. And now it's a, it's a train wreck. But there was some other bad stuff as well, though, right? In Gaddafi's sort of reign. If you were political and you were outspoken in your opposition of Gaddafi, okay. sure. You were kind of treated, yeah. But if you're just your average farmer, average businessman in Tripoli, uh, I think what we perceive the effect of Gaddafi as being was less than what it actually was. And I don't... Like, yes, no question he was brutal. We've covered, like, yeah, what he did in the 80s. But particularly in the 90s, he backed off a lot and allowed a lot more liberalization in in society. Like, where would would you rather... Like, if you ask your average Libyan, would you rather live in Libya right now? Or would you rather live in Gaddafi's Libya in the 90s or the early 2000s? Nearly every Libyan is going to say back when it, the way it used to be. Yeah. You read it in comments. Like you look at anything on YouTube, it's filled with Libyans saying it is so much worse right now. And you go on any comment section to do with the Libyan civil war. Now, they're pretty all pro-Gaddafi or at the very least heavily anti-Obama. Wow. Where's Libya at right now? You said it ended in 2020. Where? How do things for them who are they under yeah slowly recovering under the new government like i, I can't have my fingers hugely on the pulse with mm. like <laughs> all of their economic data yeah but so you said like that you look at that you look at the graph of their gdp it's definitely getting better mm-hmm. and it kind of really bottomed out around about 2015 2016 and then from 2018 onwards has been improving and eventually the ceasefire was signed with the hell of turkey in 2020 but yeah they're still like you it takes years to recover from the effects of a war Particularly a civil war. There you go. Yeah, I've learned a lot. BTN walked nearly 12 years ago so that I could run right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to continue the the primary school chat on our Patreon exclusive when we look at the issue of public speaking, which you can actually watch for just $1.50 a month as well as all sorts of other bonuses. So stick around for that.